You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stork Show. Let's go. Welcome to The Andy Storch Show. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, follow our dreams, and fulfill our true potential. And we are going to do those things today. I have a phenomenal interview for you that is going to be all about fulfilling your true potential. And it's with my friend Dominic Cortuccio, who was last on this show uh, a little less than two years ago, talking about drift and living with intention. Um, something that really inspired me when I first heard him uh, talk about this on another podcast and then had him on my show, and we built a great friendship and relationship from that. Uh, and I read his book, uh, first book, which is called Design Your Future, which was inspiring for me as something that I mention and talk about in my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, which will be out on November 16th. And so I was excited to get Dominic back on the show, uh, not only to talk about his new book, uh, which is called on purpose leadership, uh, but to get an update on everything that he's working on and really inspire you, especially the men in my audience, to do the inner work and uh, live life with intention. So, if you don't know Dominic, you haven't heard him before. He's a speaker, two time author, executive coach to high performing, high performing men. He's the co host of the Great Man Within podcast, a show for men living their fullest potential. And he's the author of Design Your Future and his newest release, On Purpose Leadership, Master the Art of Leading Yourself to Inspire and Impact Others. Dominic has been a mentor and inspiration to me since I met him. Uh, in this interview, we talk about what drift is, what often holds people, especially men, back from achieving greatness, how fear holds people back. Um, we talk about what Dominic has learned from his podcasting journey, um, what the inner work is that he always talks about, what does it mean to do inner work and why is that important, um, why, what purpose is and why that's important to connect with now. Um, we talk about Dominic's new book, not only what it's about and what it does um, and things like the, the difference between success and fulfillment, but also his process of writing and publishing the book, uh, some of the mistakes that happened, as well as a really crazy um, mistake that he made with his corporate audience uh, very recently that you're going to want to stick around for at the end of the interview. Uh, and then finally, I asked Dominic what it means to him to own your career and own your life. This is a really awesome interview, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Dominic Cortuccio. What's up, Dominic? Welcome back to the show. Thanks, buddy. Second time, right? When was the last time we did this? Like about a year ago now? Uh, it's, I think it's been about a year. Um, we've done two interviews, one for the Talent Development Hot Seat, one That's for the right. Andy Stewart Show. Um, both of them high ranking, very popular, of course. Uh, and uh, it's been awesome following you and your journey and everything you do on social media since then and keeping in touch, of course. Uh, and we've both grown and done a lot in the last year um, with podcasting and corporate work and of course, you just published your first book. I'm working, or your second book, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and I'm working on uh, just about to publish my first book as well. Um, so uh, tell me, like, we last time you were on, we talked a lot about drift and, um, you know, where people get caught up with that. And, and quite frankly, you were the first person to really introduce me to that. And uh, that, you know, allowed me and incentivized me or inspired me to go back and read Napoleon Hill and, um, you know, outwitting the devil and all that stuff and really research this. And, and I talk about that in my book and actually nice. reference you and your book and mine. I don't think I told you that yet. Sweet. Um, but for those people that haven't really investigated that topic yet, let's just start with that as like a foundation. Um, you know, what is yeah. drift and how does that hold people back? Great. So let, let's start with this primer. You know, I started noticing that a lot of the people that I work with, I imagine you too, Andy, have a lot of things on paper right? They've got the job, they've got good money, they got family, people who love them. And then if you dig a layer deeper, there's a sense of restlessness about the life that they're living, right? Maybe there's, they're not feeling fully connected to purpose. Maybe there's a, a sense of, I could be doing more. I don't know what that is. There's not a, you know, a sense of meaning and fulfillment. And, and they're experiencing this, this thing called drift. 
And before I go into exactly what that is, I think the exclamation point here is the definition of hell. And I write about this in my first book, Design Your Future. The definition of hell is at the end of your life, the person you became meets the person that you could have become, right? And if you think about that, like taking your last breath on earth and, and realizing you didn't live your full potential, like you left chips on the table, to me, that is the definition of hell. That, that, that scares the hell out of me. And so we're, we're fighting against that. But what, what is the thing that would lead us to that unhappy ending? And it's this thing called drift, which Napoleon Hill writes about in his book, Outwitting the Devil. Now, Napoleon Hill grew up the, during the Great Depression era. His mentor, Andrew Carnegie of Carnegie Steel, told Napoleon, if you want to learn about the full human experience, go out and interview like thousands of people who are nearing the end of their lives, who don't feel like they lived a life of, of, of potential and meaning and ask them what, you know, what led them there? What led them astray? So Napoleon Hill dedicated 25 years to this, this one challenge that Carnegie handed down to him. And he interviewed 25,000 people at least according to Outwitting the Devil in the book, he interviewed 25,000 people at the end of their lives who felt like they lived lives of regret, ships on the table. And then he ended up distilling those 25,000 stories of dreams lost into the book, Outwitting the Devil, where he has a conversation with this devil. And the devil says, I entered the minds of people through habit. And through habit, I established this principle of drifting. And when I get a person to drift, I can lead them straight towards the gates of hell. And then here we are finally arriving at the full definition of drift. Drift is that experience where you think you are in conscious control of your life, making decisions consciously on a day-to-day -day basis. But that's not exactly how we operate as humans. In actuality, we're not like sitting behind the pilot wheel of, of our plane. We're not in the cockpit of our plane. We're often in the cattle car while what's really flying our plane are our unconscious habits, patterns, fears, insecurities, societal expectations, parental expectations. You keep going and going and going. That's the stuff that causes most of our behaviors in a day in day out life. And it's only when an outside force really like thrusts itself upon us and wakes us up before we start to look at like, oh my gosh, how did, how did I end up here? And it's usually something pretty crappy, like a global pandemic or losing your job or a family or getting, you know, a, a diagnosis of, of an illness of some kind you weren't expecting causes you to actually sit up and ask questions that break you free from drift. And that's great. But if the only thing waking you up from drift are these outside forces thrusting themselves upon you, then how in control of your life are you really? So that's, I think that brings us a pretty, a pretty solid foundation for what drift is and how it shows up in our lives. Yeah, it's, uh, I love that. Great background. Um, and since I think I heard that definition of hell from you, I've repeated it many times and thought about it and use it as guidance to make decisions, right? And, and, and the simplified form is when people come to me with tough decisions they want to make is, you know, what are you going to regret, right? Taking the safe thing or trying this. If, yeah. you, if you don't try the, the risky thing, are you going to regret it or not when you get there later? That's always, for me, a big factor in making a decision and, and what I often convey to other people as well. I agree with that, man. And, you know, one of the things that I've been doing recently, because a lot of my work now is focused on men, and I have a podcast called The Great Man Within Podcast. And one of the things I've been doing is contrasting good man, great man. And, you know, the world needs more good men for sure. But one of the things that I wrote down in a good man column was, a good man protects what he has, but a great man is willing to risk it to go after his purpose. And when you talked about comfort, right? Like what's safe, don't we see, and don't we know from our own experience, like how often it's like, hey, listen, I've got a lot that's going for me and I'm just gonna work on protecting it. And I don't wanna really risk it, but that living that lifestyle over a long enough period of time starts to snuff out the, the fire inside. So, you know, are you willing to sacrifice comfort? Are you willing to step into some risk to, to strive for greatness? I love that. And uh, you made me feel good about my decisions because it's, a, you know, you think about conflicting values, right? And what you care about or what you say you do. And uh, my number one value or my, I always say my purpose first and foremost is to love and support my family. Um, and yet 
in the last few years, I've quit a couple of things to go completely out on my own. I have no idea where my income is going to be coming in the next right. few months. I've got a mortgage and a family, but I feel like I'm following my purpose and what I need to do and that I know where things are going to work out. And of course I have the support of my wife and um, in that endeavor, which is really important. Um, but it's, it's not easy for a lot of people to take that chance. And it's not always for most, I'm sure you talk to a lot of men. It's, it's not always, I want to quit my job and burn the bridges and go start a business and, and be a entrepreneur and create a bunch of stuff on social media, like you and I and write books. But there are big things that people, especially men dream of or want to do, and they often don't do it. What is the thing that really holds men back? Yeah. Well, first of all, shout out to your wife for, for supporting you in that journey. You know, I oftentimes think I'm, I'm a single guy and I've changed my entrepreneurial business a number of times over these last five years. And I was like, yeah. if I was in a relationship with kids and a mortgage, like would I have this kind of flexibility? So shout out to mm. not just your wife, but also your kids too, who are, who signed up for the Andy Storch they, lifestyle. They had no decision in this. They're just <laughs> going along for the ride. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So what holds men back? There's a lot of there's a lot of different things I see. I think first of all, like just double clicking on what I what I said earlier, which is we 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 become accustomed and conditioned to protecting what we have, and I see this all the time. I mean, I was in I was in financial services for 15 years, working in an environment where there's a lot of good money, like really good money. You're talking about people who are making, you know, two hundred thousand to a million dollars a year who were so afraid that they didn't have enough money, who, who were clinging to that uh, because they could never make that kind of money, at least in the short term, doing anything else. And then it's just like cemented in stone for the next, like this is what they're doing for the rest of their lives, even when it's not necessarily lighting their soul on fire. So protecting what you have and, and being unwilling to, to kind of go through some of that short-term turmoil like you are, you know, you saying like you just kind of made some switches, went on your own, don't know where the money's going to come from. It takes a certain kind of person to want to do that. Um, another big one, and this is a huge one, Napoleon Hill talks about this all the time in Outwitting the Devil on Think Grow Rich, fear of criticism. You know, fear of criticism from anyone and everyone who knows you to be a certain way. I mean, think about it, Andy, like the first time that you said you posted a blog post, can you remember... You're like, is anyone going to like this? Oh, it's you terrifying. Know? Ray, how First scary. time I released a podcast or started posting, That's... you know, personal development stuff on social media, just terrified. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, listen, every, like so many people have things to say that they want to say, but we'll never yeah. get, like, we'll never take that first step into posting that or, or, or releasing an opinion or writing that poetry book or, you know, releasing right. a book because there's the fear of, what if it's bad? What if uh, what if people criticize me or even worse? You know, no one says anything at all, and everyone, you know, and and I think a lot of people, not just men, but people, um, are so afraid of that that it paralyzes them. Yeah, fear of judgment, fear of rejection, um, yep. and these are very natural fears going back generations and generations to our our primal brain. Did you feel any of that when you put out your first book or a second book or anything else you've been doing over the last few years? Oh, well, it, it, it's actually, it's lessened quite a lot, quite a bit, but yeah, like, I'll, I'll tell you a recent, uh, here's a recent example. It was for, you know, I've, I've been doing the great man within podcast now for almost two years and I've never launched a Facebook group to support, you know, mm -hmm. the, the men around the world who are listening yeah. to the show. And, you know, so everyone's DMing me or emailing me all this stuff. And I had some like consultants go, you know, Dom, like launch a Facebook group, start an online community. And there was this fear of if I launched the if I launched the, the group and if no one shows, you know, or, I know exactly you know, what you're talking about. Right. We've got like a dozen guys in there and then like no one, no one posts or anything. So I, I probably went a good year before I actually chose to launch it. And I, I, just, I just launched it like about a month and a half ago. And we yeah. have like 250 guys in there, which is awesome. Right. And then yeah. it's like, you know, it's a more than zero. Thing, it's, it's 250 more than zero, which feels good. Right. But a year went by Andy, you know, a yeah. year went by before I, I was able to not only muster the courage, but also yep. like develop a strategy that would bring guys in and create an experience mm -hmm. where I knew it would feel good for all of them. Yeah. Could totally relate to that. Um, I've been a part of other people's groups for years, always dreamed of starting my own, but uh, even for a free one, I was afraid 
is it is it even justified? Is there enough value? Is that the right thing? Will people yeah. even come? Uh, and I recently started one along with my book and have some people in there, which is, you know, uh, remarkable. It's nice, but uh, I, I'm with you completely 100% on that fear. Yeah, a lot. And there's so many of these nebulous fears. And when I say nebulous, they're kind of like, you know, you have a fear yep. that you don't even, like you can't even put your finger on. Like one of them was, so I left, I left Prudential Financial, that's where I worked for 15 years, back in February of 2016. But two years prior to that, February of 2014, I made this like soul level decision that I was going to leave and start my own business. So I knew for two years that like in February of 2016, after the bonuses hit, you know, for the pre previous year, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. But there was this nebulous fear of, ah, oh, like, what if, what if I don't, what if I'm not any good and what, what happens? And when I finally sat down and made space through meditation, to actually inspect that fear. I didn't, I didn't know what was underlying it. It was the fear of what if I run out of money? Mm -hmm. And I had never done the math on how much did I spend in a given year? Because I was, I was kind of, I don't want to say frugal was not the right word, but like every, the, the money I made, like so much of it went into savings and mm -hmm. I made good money in financial services that I never really even knew how much went out the door in a given year. So when I finally sat down and calculated what, I, what, what goes out the door on an annual basis, I was like, okay, if I'm the worst coach, <laughs> like the worst author, whatever, and yeah. no one hires me at all for five years, I'm good. You know? and, and when I finally unpacked that nebulous fear, it was the last thing that I needed to feel confident mm -hmm. so I could make that, that transition from corporate to entrepreneurship feeling like I've got this. Yeah. And so many people will, they just think, well, I'm not going to make enough. I'm not going to succeed. Yeah. Or I'm not going to have enough without even sitting down doing the math, Do the math. about things logically about, you know, well, what if things don't work out? You could probably go get another job, right? If, it, if, if you fail or, or whatever, but it has worked out for you. Um, I, I went back and looked and it has been close to two years since we did the last interview on this show. Get uh, out of here. Amazingly, I think you were just starting your podcast. Uh, I think uh, December, 2018, something like that. So um, you've been doing this podcast for a while. It's been a great journey. Uh, what are some of the big lessons that have come out of, of doing the podcast and helping men through that? That's awesome. What's the, some of the big lessons? So <laughs> one of the biggest lessons, we, so the, the podcast is geared towards men. We speak about things like purpose, masculinity, sexuality, um, you know, living an intentional lifestyle, beating drift. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is how many women flock to a show like that. Mm. And even like, even on like Instagram, which is something I'm starting to take a little bit more seriously, like in promoting the messaging, 61% of my followers are women. Mm. And about, it feels like sometimes half of the podcast mm. listeners are women. I hear from women all the time mm. because they are such advocates for men who are doing inner work, who are developing emotional fluency. And when I say emotional fluency, I mean the ability to actually feel a feeling, to be able to name that feeling, yeah. to sit with that feeling, to express that feeling, and then to shift that feeling if you want, um, to, to do some of this deep inner work, to actually connect with men beyond just you know drinking, chicken wings, the games, that, or business, to go deeper with other guys. So I would say lesson number one is <laughs> I see guys running around everywhere trying to attract women and doing all the things on Bumble and, and like, you know, what, what women really want are guys who are working on themselves. Hmm. And, 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 and that has been like one of the, probably the most surprising lessons is how, how many women are, are advocating the work and they're the ones who are sharing it. Like, I can't tell you how many guys who say, hey, Dominic, I, I listen to your podcast because my sister, my girlfriend, my wife turned me on to it. Hmm. That's big lesson number one. I would say lesson number two about men is the, well, there's this huge myth that men do not want to talk about their feelings and emotions. Hmm. It's, it's a big myth. Yeah. The truth is men want to but the conditions have to be right for it. And when I say the conditions have to be right for it, it means they need to be able to, to find themselves in a place with other guys where they feel like, 
okay, this is cool. There's not so much competition. Like these, these guys are men that I respect. I've seen a little bit about them. I know what this group's about. And then I can watch someone go first, like so someone else can open up and in a real way where they're not just, you know, promoting how successful they are in business, but like actually sharing a struggle yeah. and then watching 19 other guys come around and, and, and support that, not laugh at that. I run a mastermind now called the great man mastermind. We got 20 guys. We started right at the beginning of the pandemic. We meet every week and over and over again, these are super successful dudes, right? Like you're talking CEOs and senior VPs, business owners. And these guys are pouring their hearts out to each other in ways that they've never done with anyone, even including their significant other. And they love it. Mm. It took a little while to warm up the, you know, like warm up that container but now they're like, this is the one place where I can go to be understood. It's the one place that I can be vulnerable yeah. and actually get real good like support and guidance that I value. So I would say that's the other big one, Andy, is there's this huge misconception that guys don't want to talk or open up about things. It's, it's, it's the untruth. They just, we, we just need uh, to feel safe and secure in the places where we can do that. Yeah. And, uh, and that goes back also to what you said about point number one is it's what women want, right? What women want yeah. doing this inner work, getting in touch with feelings. I mean, not all women, you know, I never like to generalize, right. But what you're hearing um, from a lot of women, um, you talk about men doing the inner work, working on themselves. You say a lot of women want a man who's doing that. Um, some guys might be listening and maybe haven't done much of that. What does that mean? What does it mean that I need to do inner work? I need to work on myself so that I can attract some of these great women who follow you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's really funny. Before I answer that question, I just, just made me think about, I gave this TEDx talk on a women's stage back in, mm. I think, 2018. And it was called The, the, uh, the Bold Journey Women Want Us to Take. And it is the, about the inner journey. And I remember after getting off the stage, there was a woman who came up to me and she was like, can you start a dating app? that only has men who do inner work on it. Because nice. <laughs> like, if you can screen that out, meaning they're part of a men's group or they're doing, you know, like, like cause you, you'd make millions of dollars on that. So anyone who has that idea, if you want to, if you want to yeah, get after it. a box to check on the, on the big dating apps or something like right? I am in touch with myself. I do inner, and I touch myself, <laughs> I'm in touch with myself and I do inner work. Right? So, I do both. <laughs> yeah, I do both, which is okay. It's totally yeah. So uh, inner work. And, and I, I've really got to get this down to like the, like the elevator thing. And I, and, yeah. I, and I've never really gotten around to it, but like the inner work is detaching your need from external validation, praise, the need for societal status, you know, like these kinds of things. And to go inner, inward, to understand what lights your soul on fire. You know, what's the purpose that you're here for? What's the legacy you want to leave behind? And to also, like I said before, develop emotional fluency, this experience of like being able to actually like feel an emotion, name the emotion, be with it, express it. And I would say one other element to this too, Andy, is learning how to develop healthy, empowered, masculine leadership. You know, like we hear all the time, toxic masculinity, all this other, you know, this stuff, like a man who's gone inward knows what he stands for knows that what his boundaries are, know what his, knows what his values are. These are all elements of inner work. When that guy shows up, he honors women. He creates environments where he can thrive and others around him can thrive. Immature, unhealthy masculine leadership are those guys who like are just out there seeking power, who need to dominate something else, who play in zero-sum game worlds who only feel powerful when there are people less powerful. You know, like we need less guys like that. And we need more guys who get lit up by helping other people become powerful, you know, and, and doing that inner work, understanding what your purpose is, what lights your soul on fire, who you are at your core. One last thing here, and probably this is where I should have started. You know, I said the definition of hell is on the last day on earth, the right. man, the person you became meets the person you could have become. That's where the name, the great man within came, the great man within podcast came from. That person that you could have become mm. is the great man that's within you. 
And I believe, and Napoleon Hill talks about this. There's like, you know, that other self, that other self, which I call the great man inside of you. He's the one who lives purpose. He's the one who's courageous when like your human self wants to be a coward. He's the one who's intuitive, who knows, right? He's the one who speaks with conviction, even when it's unpopular. We all have that guy inside of us. But if we're constantly focused and oriented to the outside world, we never get a chance to meet him. We're, we're drifting from him. So the inner work is like really tapping into who that great guy, that great man in, inside of you is. Yeah, releasing that inner greatness and, and meeting that person that you can become and working on fulfilling your true potential, which is one of my mantras for this podcast. So I'm all about it. I love it. Um, speaking of that, you had just published this new book, right, called On Purpose Leadership. Yeah. Uh, tell me about, you know, where did that come from? And, uh, you know, I'm curious, like, why and how did you end up publishing this book? Yeah. So On Purpose Leadership came out, I think, September 22nd of 2020. And I wrote the book. So the, 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 the subtitle of the book is Mastering the Art of Leading Yourself So You Can Inspire and Impact Others. So this is really a book about personal leadership, like you leading yourself first before trying to lead others. The reason why I wrote this book is because over the last few years in, in consulting a lot of business owners and um, people who run pretty big organizations, they would bring me in and they would always ask the same three questions. They would say like, how do I get my employees to change? How do I get them to act with urgency? How do I hold them accountable? And the thing that I always saw missing was none of those leaders asked me, who do I need to be as a leader to get these right. people to change, to act with urgency? It was always about like, what's wrong with my people? And anytime I started to probe with those hiring managers, what would inevitably shake out is those hiring managers or those leaders would be demonstrating the very behaviors, the bad behaviors they wanted to change mm. in the people. Right? So like if their people weren't acting with urgency, it was oftentimes because their leader was acting with frenetic urgency, like too chaotic, mm. not well-defined, not prioritizing. Everything was, you know, a thousand different things were the most important thing. Yeah. And that cascades down, you know, this from your work, like whatever's happening at the leadership level is just amplified at the layers below. Yeah. So this was kind of like a, an interruption you know, like this book was really written to be an interruption to the leaders who are, who are like looking to tell everyone else to change. And I'm, I'm saying, no, 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 for the two hours, it'll take you to listen to this book or read it. Cause it's, 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 it's like written for, for, you know, brevity mm. and impact for these two hours, we're just going to look at you and, and, and like, you need to get intentional on purpose, learn how to lead yourself so that you can then effectively lead others. You also talk in there, and, and I love that because I think it is so important that we, especially when we're trying to become better leaders, uh, it starts with self-reflection and self-awareness and understanding ourselves before we go out. It reminds me of the, um, the old, uh, I don't know if you call it saying, whatever, that uh, you know, if you want to change the world, start with yourself, right? Before you go out and try to change everything around you. So absolutely makes sense. And I think your book is so needed. Um, you also talk about, in the book say there's a difference between success and fulfillment, right? Can yeah. You that more? Yeah. I mean, success, this goes back to, I think where we, we were part of our conversation began. I think success can oftentimes be those things that are externally oriented. You know, you got the, the job title, people <clears throat> in, in your community, maybe respect you. Maybe you've got the family and the kids and a house with a mortgage, that kind of stuff. And by all means, you know, you're successful traditionally, but then on some deeper level, it's like, that's not enough. That's not, that's, that, that wasn't the answer. You know, that's, man, I worked so hard to get here. I climbed this mountain. Maybe I'm proud of myself for getting here, but it's not what I thought it would be. And, and then, you know, you're just constantly climbing mountains, constantly, you know, slaying dragons, increasingly building a complex life with a lot of responsibility and burden and obligation. And it's like, what? what am I doing? You know, how come I don't feel like I'm building towards something truly meaningful and fulfilling? And, and one of the misconceptions I, I, I clear up in this book is around this concept of purpose. Because if you can live purpose, you will feel fulfillment and meaning. Most people think that purpose resides outside of them. 
resides in the accomplishment of some massive achievement, some big, hairy, audacious goal that will take like 10 years or a lifetime to accomplish, right? Like I'll have lived my purpose when I've written number one New York Times bestseller. I'll have lived my purpose when I've gotten, you know, 10,000 people to do this thing. And those are goals. Those aren't, those aren't purpose. Like purpose is only lived in the present moment. Mm. And purpose, what I, the way I define it is full engagement in, in, in the day to day. And, you know, a, a great example of this is my sister, Mary, like my sister, Mary is special needs. She's my only sibling. She's a year and a half older than me. She's like a walking heart. Like she's the happiest person on earth because for the last 20 years, she's been working in a daycare center with infants, six weeks to 12 months old, right? Mary goes to work every day and comes home every day, a bundle of joy because she loves babies and everything about them. They're poopy diapers. They're throwing up on her shoulders. She loves all of it. And every day she's living her purpose. She's a legend in the places where she's worked. I aspire at some point to have a fraction Mm. of that level of engagement in my life that she has every single day. So it's not something in the future, right? It's not something outside. It's only in the present moment. Yeah. And so many people put, I don't know if they always call it purpose, right? But so many people put, seem to put stipulations on their happiness, right? I'll be happy when I yeah. achieve, when I get that promotion one day when I'm VP, everything will be great. Or I get that job that I really like, or, you know, there's so many things that we're waiting for when we could be living our purpose and being fulfilled right now. And it's also very different. You can uh, define what success is for you and also be really, and, and really like I think about the balance all the time, you can be successful, also set big goals that you're working on, right? Yes. Like you and I also aspire to achieve big things, but you can be fulfilled and be living in your purpose in the moment. See, that, that, that's the clincher right there. And I think a lot of people say, well, well, Dominic, if it's only lived in the moment, then what, am I ever gonna do any of those big things? <laughs> And, and, and here, here's, the, here, here's, here's the distinction. Oftentimes when we set those big goals, we're miserable every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And so we actually like, you know, and what you're doing is you're just training yourself over and over again to be dissatisfied, yeah. discontent, not happy, lacking. Like, and, and, and that's, that is like neurochemistry. So like when you actually get to the title, and you win and you hear this all the time from like athletes. You hear this all the time from like Jim Carrey, who says like, I hope everyone get, becomes rich and famous. So that you'll realize it's not all it's cracked up to be because right. you've trained yourself for years, every single day to be unsatisfied. So what, what do you think is going to happen? Like your body's not going to switch and your brain's not going to switch and the heartbeat and be like, okay, now everything is satisfactory from this point forward. So what, what the game I'm playing now is, like one of my big goals, and I, and I set this out last year, I want to help 10 million men mm. over to the next 10 years. This big, this big thing, 10 million men to get on the path of doing inner work, right? To live their fullest potential. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to enjoy every stop along the way, you know, because this is going to be a long road to hoe, man. And so yeah. this last year, you know, we're started the mastermind. We got 20 guys in there. We got 250 men in the, in the Facebook group, humble beginnings, but I'm feeling I, like I get to enjoy the, the stories, the bonding, the trials, the tribulations, the small wins, the big wins. And I'm enjoying that journey versus this frenetic, harried, how do I get that number? And, and, right. and uh, I won't be happy until I get to the 10 million. And by the way, how would you even know if you had actually achieved that? There's no way to truly <laughs> measure that, right? Correct. I mean, and to me, that's that, that, that the number thing is, is, is relevant in the sense it gives me focus yeah. and completely irrelevant in terms of the impact that, that like the, the, I'm after the impact, which is yeah. you know, to create a tectonic shift in, in masculine leadership and businesses, families, and communities. Right. Well, yeah, I know you're going to achieve that. And I'm glad that you are enjoying the challenges along the way and the journey. So speaking of the journey and the things along the way, um, because I also like to talk about the things you do to build a brand and things like that. Um, you published this second book. What was that process like for you compared <laughs> to the first? And I know you had some hiccups uh, throughout the publishing process, right? 
Yeah, the second time was a disaster. It was a fiasco. <laughs> uh, so, so you know, you work on a book for about like you know some books you work on multiple years. My, my book I was working on for about a year. Yeah, and you know it's it's time to rock and roll. And about a, like a week before September twenty second, you know, which is the launch date, and we had thousands of pre orders for for wow. my book, and I'd worked really hard on you know getting them out there, and so there were there was like thousands of copies printed. And I get a week before I get my, 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 my proof. And not only is in the book, like in the wrong, it's the wrong size. It's like, it's too big. The book formatting is off. There's like print streaks inside of the book. And worst of all on the back, there are three spelling errors on the back cover. It's, it says, instead of this book is for the leader who demands success and fulfillment, it says this Bach be okay. Right. And there's two other spelling errors. In the back. And it's like, what the hell? And so we talked to our publisher and they're, and, and we're like, guys, like, are we going to fix this? And like, we can't and like, you know, the thousands of copies have already been distributed to Amazon and target yeah. and like who at Barnes and Noble. And well, you gotta be kidding me. So at that time, I remember like my team, I have a, a chief operating officer and a brand manager. Yeah. You know, they, they, they were, they were more upset than I was. I was upset, yeah. but they were like, Hey, we need to push back on the publisher, get this thing fixed. And there was this, this moment, Andy, where I had a chance to decide, do I want to put my energy towards war or towards excellence in figuring out a solution to this problem? And excellence could come in a variety of forms. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, war is easier. It's faster, or like, at least in the short term, like, it, like I could clearly see what war would bring me. And there's also like a lot of energy there. It satisfies the kind of that primal need too. that. Like yeah. I need to react to this and go attack my enemies, whatever, you know, however you define that, that kind of thing. And also like, here, here's something else more subtle. Like my masculinity was at stake. I, I right. made it about my masculinity at stake because mm. my COO is a woman. My brand manager is a woman. And I didn't want them thinking that like, here's some guy who backs down in the face. He's a pushover. Of, he's a pushover. Yeah. Neither of them, that was not their thing or experience at all. Like I even yeah. talked to them about this afterwards, but I made it about that in the short yeah. term. So when I actually stepped back, I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to handle this with excellence. I processed my anger in my men's group raged in my men's group. So I was able to get that emotion out so I could see her clearly. And that's one of the reasons why men's work, men's groups is so important is to move that stuck emotion. So I'm not carrying that anymore. Yeah. And so then you saw, I started publishing these videos on Facebook and LinkedIn. And I was like, Hey, I just want you to know that on September 22nd, my new Bach launches. And as you'll see, it's a Bach. Like I I showed, I like, I highlighted all of the errors and I was like, so we have a limited collector's edition right. Bach that you can get now and you better buy it soon whether supplies last because after they're gone, then you're going to get like, you know, the, the pristine print copy, but that's boring. Who wants one of those? And I could tell you, man, people loved it. Like mm-hmm. so many people were like, dude, thank you for handling it the way you did, turning lemonade, you know, lemons into lemonade. And people bought like five or six copies of the book or the Bach, just because they liked the way that I handled it. And I was like, huh, that felt, uh, that felt vindicating, you know? Yeah. Oh man. That's still, that's, that's annoying, but, uh, you handled it so well. And I loved, I saw your post and I love that you put that out there and just kind of owned it and said, Hey, this is what we have. This is what we're dealing with, you know, make light of it. Um, and just use it as a marketing opportunity. I think somebody pushed back on you in that, right? And, and, and challenged that maybe you were a few people. doing it on purpose. Yeah, I had, a few, I had a few people ask me and they were like, oh, is this, was this kind of like a, like a marketing strategy to, you know, I'm like, no, I would never manipulate my audience that way. Like, so absolutely not. Right. And I, I wouldn't, and I, and I feel terrible about like a substandard quality product going out to people. So no, that wasn't, no. Yeah. What, um, where do you see as like your goal for the book? What do you want to do with it? What do you want the book to do? Is it simply about getting it out there and the impact that it makes, or is there other things you wanted to do for your, for your business as well as your audience? Well, back when I wrote this, you know, a a big part of, of of the reason why I wrote this book was, you know, to to make an impact going on corporate stages and doing Mm -hmm. keynote speeches. And this was all before the pandemic. I said when I started writing my book too, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and so I I had this book finished by like right before the pandemic broke out. Uh, So that that was the the best laid plan there. And, and now I, like I shared with you before we started recording, 
I, I've finished my work in the corporate space. I've, 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 I've handed off all my corporate clients. I do not plan on doing any more corporate work for the indefinite future because I'm focused on this 10 million man mission. Hmm. And there's a much lar larger story about that that we can get into another time or you can listen to it on my podcast. But this book, what I, what I want for it now is, you know, we've just been through the ringer this year and we will continue to go through the ringer for the foreseeable future with the pandemic and uncertainty around life. And what I've noticed is, you know, the people who have a foundation of inner work, right, who have been doing personal development for years, were able to thrive during these last seven or eight months, not without taking some dings or some hits, but people who have a foundation of inner work get stronger during times of turmoil. It's yeah. just the bottom line. Like, you know that, Andy, it's the bottom line. And, and I think it ex this period of time exposed for a lot of people that they need a foundation. They need to start moving into this inner work, that their lives aren't set up the way they want them to be. They're not as anti-fragile as they'd like to be. So this book is a field guide for how to start fortifying your inner foundation and to build an inner state of being that can, can handle these body blows that, that the, the world has been giving us for this past year. Yeah. Well, speaking of those body blows, uh, and be actually, before I go to that next question, I, I totally agree with you. And I'm, I'm big on mindset, turning challenges and opportunities. And like, I feel like, and I'm lucky, I haven't had, uh, you know, COVID directly impact any of my, anybody in my family, but it has impacted my business and a lot of things. I feel like this has been the best year of my life. Uh, but I think a lot of that is, is mindset, right. And, and how we approach things and how we see things, but it's created so many opportunities for me that wouldn't have existed or wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for the pandemic. And so I don't want to sit here and say, I'm grateful for the pandemic, but, um, I'm grateful that I have been home every night with my kids for the last seven yeah. months, um, versus traveling on the road. Like I was before when business was ramping up right before, right before the pandemic hit and shut everything down. Um, but a lot of it is, is how you look at things. I agree with that, man. And, and, you know, it's, th th there's plenty of people who, you know, and I, I always have to give a nod of the, the tip of the cap to the people who have lost family members, mm. whose businesses have gone defunct, you know, Indeed. whose life savings have been wiped out. Like, and we have to, you know, I'll also keep them in mind as well, because like, th this is a real difficult and extraordinary painful year totally and and then yeah like i i know there are lots of people who share your sentiment andy to me it's like this this year while it was not without difficulty like my business took a massive hit this year yeah um i i know looking back on it this will be one of the most pivotal years of my entire life and i'm feeling strong i feel grateful i feel hopeful um, and that only comes when, you know, like we really get tested. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you'd mentioned body blows and tested. I know there's a longer story, but I do want to um, touch on the story about the corporate work and the email you sent, because I think that, you know, it's so easy to look at guys like you and maybe some people look at me this way as well, that like these high achievers, you know, you got this, the podcast, you publish books, you've got this following, um, you have this amazing life. Uh, you and I know we are humans that we make a lot of mistakes. I make a oh, ton. Uh, you just made a, gr a really awesome one with an email <laughs> the other day. So could you share that story? Sure. So one of the big things that we talk about on the Great Man Within podcast is this arena of sex and sexuality. We talk about things that a lot of guys won't. And one of the big banes of men's existence is porn, hmm. you know, like, like compulsive porn, porn addiction, uh, like ambivalence and secrecy and shame. It also impacts their relationships with their, their, their significant others. By the way, um, can I just interrupt just for a second, because yeah. I just want to give you credit and say that that's like one of those things that is so pervasive in society. It affects so many people. And yet very few people talk about it because it's so taboo and you do all the time on your podcast and social media. And I just want to give you credit for that because I think you are helping a lot of people. Thanks, man. And I actually, I plan on helping a lot more people because there, there's going to be some new products and like, and services to actually help people overcome compulsion and addiction that I, it's high time for me to, to do that. Cause mm. a big part of my story is, about eight years ago, 2013, January of 2013, I entered Sex Addicts Anonymous for a period of four years because like I had compulsive sexual behaviors and addiction to things, you know, like including porn. So I spent four years in that place recalibrating and reconstituting my relationship with sexuality. I took four years off of porn and 
Um, and so like, I know what it takes to, to, to like reconfigure that relationship. So I speak about it openly, but it comes at a cost. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm in this like corporate world doing these keynote speeches to some of the most conservative financial institutions in the world, I got to keep this like, you know, brick wall up to this other world where I talk so openly about this stuff. Right. And I've been fired in the past. I've uh, lost speaking opportunities and, and contracts in the past because all it takes is one person to Google me. Yeah, just a quick Google search and listen to your podcast. Yeah. You're going to find it, but that's them discovering it. It's not you pushing it on them, obviously. Right, exactly. And, I, and, I, and I've done a, a good job just like keeping those church and state separate. Well, there was a podcast episode that went out called Four Feel Good Porn Alternatives right? To, to, to men who are trying to make better decisions about like the porn they're consuming. And, yeah. and any, anyway, that email ends up getting scheduled where it's not just my podcast list, but 300 of my corporate, 300 of my corporate oh. clients like end up getting this email. And this is the worst part, Andy, including the largest women's only group in the retirement services arena. So I, I like, like, like there's a, there's a group called women in pensions network right. and the member firms represent like the top 50 or 75 companies yeah. in the, in that space where I like, where I did all my speaking and I built this year and a half relationship with them as an advocate of women. And, and I, I like, I do, I, I do so much work in, in shining a light on women's space. You do. And there was probably about 150 of those women on it. They were the ones who alerted me to it because I'm getting like my emails blowing up, my phone calls. Did your did your email get hacked? What's this porn email? Yeah. And all of a sudden, dude, complete storm, like hell raining down upon me. And there were like quite a few women who wrote back and like, this is disgusting. This is vulgar. You're a fraud. Who's a real, like, you can't be a real leadership coach and talk about porn. Oh. One woman um, who, who like, whose email I saved and like this, this will be like the source of motivation for years to come. But it was just mm -hmm. like, she, she, this one woman, you know, she, she'd listened to a lot of the podcasts that I'd done shining a light on women yeah. in the industry. So presumably she heard my heart, my intention, yeah. how, you know, how, how much effort and time I put into like raising women up, listen to all that. And she said, she listened to them and then was like, I want you fired if like Dominic Cortucci ever gets hired again, wow. you know, I will, I will withdraw my membership. Now, what I felt really bad about Andy is I never wanted to send anyone an unsolicited email about porn, especially to their work email. Right. Like, of course not. Yeah. So like I apologized, you know, did anything, everything I could to, to turn that over. But the long story short was I became instantly toxic to 70% of my business revenue gone. And, and that, that sucked for about a week. And then I realized, well, you know what, this was the acceleration that I needed to go where I really wanted to go in the first place, which was to spend all my energy and time on working with this 10 million men vision, where I don't have to bifurcate myself, where I don't have like that wall between who I really am and then what gets me paid. And, um, and so like you, you know, part of my, my now and my near future is not knowing exactly where the paychecks are going to come from, but that's why I saved so much money to give me that kind of freedom. So I could go through periods of time like this and, yeah, and I'll make it through that. You will make it through. Um, but man, that is, that is tough. I have made a lot of mistakes in my time, sent the wrong emails to people, copied the wrong people on emails, um, just sent some really dumb emails. Uh, but that's, uh, but. <laughs> that's a, but that's a, that's a big one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting thing is, I mean, you were, and, and we got to wrap this up, but we were talking about this briefly right before we started recording. It's interesting that you put something out into the universe, right? That you are going to be shifting this way and almost just to make sure that you didn't chicken out and stick with the corporate work too long. This happened yeah. to be like, Nope, here you go. Just kick you over. You are focusing on the men's uh, purpose, you know, that your big goal right there and you're not going back. I'm a believer in that stuff, man. I know some people probably roll their eyes at it, but it's like, I, I've seen it enough where when I get committed to something or when I see my clients get so committed to something mm -hmm. and they're holding back on something, like there's a parachute that they're running on behind their back, then so, the universe like has a way yeah. of just kind of like, like two by four across the forehead um, or hitting you with that Mack truck. And it's just like, okay, it's time. It's time to go do this thing that you've been avoiding. And so, um, you know, after I pick myself off and 
just pick myself up and dust off some of the, the bruises, then I could look at it for what it is, which was a, it was a gift in disguise. It's just like uh, Paolo Coelho said in The Alchemist, when you put that something out into the universe, the whole universe conspires to help you, right? Yes. And that's what's happening right now. I feel it. Yeah, I feel it. Amazing. Dominic, this has been fantastic. Um, for anybody listening, um, where's the best place for them to go to find out more about you? Of course, the book is On Purpose Leadership, Master the Art of Leading Yourself to Inspire and Impact Others. Uh, where do people go to find out about you? Join that Facebook group, uh, everything yeah. you got going on. I, the number one thing I, I would just love for anyone who was inspired by the show to come over to the Great Man Within podcast, because that's like the heartbeat of all the work that I do. Uh, so the Great Man Within podcast. And then for men only, we have a Facebook group that supports. Sorry to our amazing you know, women listeners, but you know, there's some places that men need to go on our own to do this stuff. And the Facebook group, again, the Great Man Within podcast, and it's a private group. So you'll submit uh, like a, an admission and then I'll, I'll, I'll bring you in. Let me know that you came from Andy's podcast just because like that'll get you in quicker. VIP, I like it. Yeah. Uh, all right, last question for you, Dominic. Uh, the book that I am publishing in November is called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Very aligned with everything that you talk about. When you hear that, the term own your career or own your life, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, to me, that means intentionality versus like the opposite of drift. We talked about that before, right? And the antidote to drift is intentionality. And if you're going to own your career, right, and own your life, then the responsibility that comes with that means that you're connected to your purpose, that you know, on a daily basis, you're doing things, your morning routine is set up, your evening routine is set up in a way that allows you to own each and every day because you know, your, your career is one, not on like one big triumph, but on a series of how you show up every single day, how you wake up, how you go to bed, how you operate through it. So that's how I think about it, man. I agree 100%. We are so aligned as I knew we were. Uh, Dominic, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on over and spending time with us. And uh, I know that the men who are listening will go check out your podcast and your Facebook group. I always... Uh, love following everything you got going on. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate you, bud. All right. Take care.